Coaching Podcast is to encourage and equip those who are called by God to provide spiritual direction to the Church of Jesus Christ. We're teaching warriors to fight for the human heart because only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Coaching Podcast. Uh, Real quick, a couple things before I hand you off to the audio that is from the spiritual retreat I did for our church leaders this past summer. First one I've told you, if you've been listening through the podcast, this is not new to you. This was an environment, a setting with, with 20 or so leaders, all of whom I knew well, either by relation or they'd been sitting in my counseling office at one time or another. So it was very intimate, it was very private, it was very personal. There's a little more application, a little more heart, a little more emotion involved in this. And to protect those that were speaking, I had to cut some stuff out, had to edit some emotional breaks that uh, came along as, as, as I shared from my heart. I'm going to give you a peek into this more intimate setting, uh, especially this week. The podcast starts out with some very heavy application. It is designed to drive some of the things I'd been saying home and to lead into as, as I was getting ready to close this whole retreat out. So it is very direct, heavy in the application. I hope it's helpful to you. Number two, real quick, I would like to invite you to visit my Patreon page, www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. If you just search for Pastor Carey, you will find my page there. Patreon is this great place where creatives like myself can post content and then offer it to you at subscription levels so that on a monthly basis we have a little additional income. There are five tiers you can choose from, anything from three bucks a month to a hundred bucks a month. There's a video there that explains a little bit of my heart and, and actually my wife is there on that and it gets you a little bit more into uh, my heart and vision and what we're trying to accomplish here. So thanks for checking that out. Here is the content that I promised. Here's what here's what we're trying here's what we're driving for. I want you to to see what illustrate what we're trying to accomplish here. What I'm saying when I say to you things like you got to blow up your old world, it, it sounds like um, uh, there's no compassion, there's no sympathy. He's he's asking for the undoable, the unreasonable. Uh, I, I get that. I get that. It's not a thing. Probably nuking your phone, you know, isn't the way to do it. It, it, you, know, you can do it gradually if that works for you. And, and sometimes I tell people, you know what, just keep doing life the way you're doing it. Come in and see me. Let's work on what it is in your heart that you carry. You know, when we are so driven like that, you know, we're blowing through life. And we have these people that come with us because of relationship or because of, you know, their gifting or however they've signed up. And I just got this picture of... Um, uh, of myself, like the cowboy on the horse, and, and they've got a rope around their a lasso around their ankles, and I'm driving them through. I'm dragging them through town, dust flying everywhere. They're kicking and rolling and taking dirt up their nose and up their mouth. Don't do that to your people. Don't do that to your family. Don't do that to the people you love. You kill them. No way to live. Here's, here's what I realized at some point, and this is what I say about secular counseling therapy. 
I love it when people come to me and they've gone to secular therapy. They usually understand how they tick better. I don't have to do all that work of explaining things to them about how they got to where they are. They really, if, in fact, they often, not only do they understand, that understanding has often some, given them some degree of, of, of healing and, and improvement. Um, and in um, secular coaches often have a good, good collection of um, uh, tools, management tools they can give you for like, anger management and, and, and whatnot. And, and usually people do well, they do better because they're learning how to keep everything in check. Um, what I say about that is that the one thing they can't do that we in the kingdom of God can do is we can take the air out of their beach ball. So I'm going to have to set this microphone down. No, I can do it with this. Um, imagine a, a, a fairly large beach ball full of air. Imagine you're trying to suppress that and keep it under the surface of the water. Okay, imagine this. So, I can't. So imagine, you know, both, yeah, come in here. You got both hands and they're, you're, you're on this beach ball and you've, you, you got your feet just right, right? Just put, put your stuff in a kiddie pool. The water's maybe, we'll say waist high. All right, so that beach ball is my brokenness. It's my bondage. It's the, it's the, it's the um, addiction I'm trying to manage. So here I am. You see where I'm looking? Oh, man, I got this thing, man. Bring it on, dude. Oh, look at my kids. Oh, aren't they cute? Aren't they? Does anybody see what just happened? Yep, it's coming up. They're trying to hit you now. You have to focus here mm -hmm. to keep it in line. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you miss life. Preach it. Yes. Man, that's good stuff. Mm, that was you good. have to keep that. Now, think about this. Imagine the pool is a little deeper. And you've gotten so good, it's about four or five feet under the surface. Do some science with me. The farther down you suppress it, what happens when it gets away? The farther it goes. <laughs> Listen, the better you are at managing your brokenness, the more screwed you are. When it gets away from you, it is ballistic. Everyone around you knows something just happened with Pastor Carey. Yes. And you were doing so well. No one knew it. This is the thing. No one knew it was there. Yeah. Because you got this mask on. You got this face on. Yeah. It was under the water. Yeah, no one saw it. They didn't, they didn't know what you were doing to keep that storyline from emerging. And you're working your, your, <clears throat> your butt off. Keep so no one knows. Now, imagine. I just put it under my foot. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to put my foot on the neck of the enemy, and I'm going to live in victory. That's right. I am going to watch my kids enjoy the pool. I'm going to look at my wife in the face and love her. I'm going to look at my God and my king. And I'm going to give him all I have because I haven't stole it facing at my idol because this is where I turn when life sucks is my addiction. It's my idol. That's my God. When life sucks, I go to my addiction. 
You don't go to God, you go to your addiction. You realize that addiction isn't just, you know, alcohol and, and, and drugs. Right. Oh, yeah. All right. It's your idol is whatever you turn to to help you get through life. Netflix. Netflix. Yep. And a little chill afterwards. Yep. Face crack. Uh, <laughs> I went there. <laughs> I don't get it. Netflix and the wife, the wife would, be, it would be embarrassed if I hadn't done that to her so many times. Um... It's so, so put the isms on there. Shopaholism, workaholism, eataholism, craftaholism, adrenaholism. What, what is it? Anything can have an ism on the end. What the power of Jesus Christ will do in his... And, and get all of this theology. Get all of this theology. We often say in his death, death and resurrection. I'll, I'll, that's part of the story. What Jesus Christ can do in his incarnation, his life and ministry, his sacrificial death, his resurrection, and his ascension. That's all. So we can take the air out of the beach ball. Yeah. You are no longer slaves to sin. This is slavery. It's bondage. We are no longer, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That is freedom. That is why we love our, our Savior. Because he set us free from Egyptian bondage. We're no longer slaves to Pharaoh. We have been rescued and set free. Why are we living in this bondage? Why have we chosen to go back to the leeks and onions of denial? Why aren't we satisfied with the manna from God? People, let's live. You were rescued to live, to have abundant life, overflowing rivers of living water. He said several times, you know, well, I've learned. No, I'm learning. I use that in counseling all the time because I say things and go, no, 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 I haven't learned that. <laughs> but I'm learning. Come with me. Know the freedom I know. Know the God I know. You don't have to live that way anymore. There's more to life. Being pushed around and manhandled and manipulated by this internal crap from your past that demands presence and to be heard in the future. That has to be silenced. It's way too strong a voice in your present. It doesn't deserve that kind of attention. You're worshiping your brokenness. You're bowing down at the altar of your bondage. You, you, you rail against the abuse you experience in life, and yet you still are worshiping it. Wow, that was that was rude. You know what? I don't want to lasso you around the ankles. Come along with me. Come along with every Christ follower that's followed up, that, that came before us. Let's join this army of people who live well differentiated. You are a good gift to the people around you. They're better because they have you in your life. 
than they were without you in their life. Be that person. If you're going to be that person, you have to deal with your inner wounding. You have to go where they haven't yet gone. And listen, listen, all you need to be is one step in front of them. You gotta have a story. You gotta know what God has done and is doing in your heart. And you gotta be able to articulate that and tell them and give them hope. Cause they're gonna come to you with no hope. They're gonna say, pastor help me. And I'll say, okay, I can. I can help that. Actually, I can't help a thing. But I know this guy. I know this guy. I spoke with him this morning. Will y'all give my wife a hand? Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. There's always been one person in the last 34 years of my life that's walked with me through all this crap. It's her. My story and the way I carried it into our relationship and the fact that Christ rescued me is why we're still married. It's why when all of our kids decided to leave us and move out and, and now we're at this empty nest, right? We love life. <laughs> You ever wonder That's awesome. why couples get divorced when their last kid moves out of the house? Because they got no relationship. My brokenness and working through it together brought us together. You want better relationships with the people in your life? Admit your brokenness. You want to fall more in love with your spouse than you are right now? Admit your brokenness. Admit it to them. Admit it to a coach. Get help. Ask for help. Walk through it together. And you'll be more in love than you've ever been before. That is leaders going first. Silence. My guess is most of us here need to practice silence. Need to let that work into our heart. Work out its ramifications and let be what be. Let God be God and change your life. Let's take a short break to give your brain a rest. If you would like to connect with Pastor Carrie to offer feedback, to suggest topics for future episodes, or to ask a question, there are a few easy ways to do that. You can message him on Twitter. Just search for at TRCSCP. That's an at sign followed by the letters TRCSCP. If you prefer Facebook Messenger, you can search for at PK Spiritual Coaching. That's at PK Spiritual Coaching. Or you can simply email him at carry at tworivers.church. As you might expect, we'd appreciate it if you'd rate us on iTunes and like and share the podcast as well as our Twitter and Facebook pages so that other church leaders and spiritual coaches can find this helpful content. All right, let's return now to our current episode of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast. Solitude is part of this. Solitude is more than just being alone. Most of us have some level of pretending in our life. I, I am not surprised anymore when someone comes into my office and I know their mother or father and they start describing this person to me. And I'm going, okay, incongruity, 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 that does not compute, that does not compute, because I know their public persona. And what this person is telling me is not that. Or one person at church or a different person in the quietness of their own being. Yeah. And the 
safety of their own home. There's duplicity in their heart. If you have brokenness, if you have unclosed loops, if you have unprocessed wounding, you're duplicitous. You're not the same person in every setting you go to. If this is a thing in your life when you go to work, you, you chime in on the dirty jokes and you become just like everybody else there. And you go to church and you, and you, and you blend in there. And, and, you, and you go to your group with your parents and you, with other parents or whatever, and you blend in there. You're a chameleon. This solitude is, it's about becoming one person. Sometimes when you're alone in the silence of your being, there's eight people there. You've got all these identities. You have all these faces. You have, a, you have a rift of masks posted on the wall. And when you're going into that setting, you grab that mask and in you go. And you come home and you take it back off and you go to the next setting, you grab another mask and in you go. And you put that back in the wall and the next setting, you grab another mask and you put it on and in you go. And no one sees the real you. No one gets the blessing of your wonderful, beautiful createdness. They only see a fake, false pretender. No one, not even you, knows who you really are. In fact, the other people around you know better who you are than you do. Solitude is about taking this truth on. I love this quote by Mulholland. Social interaction is like a dance or a game of chess. We correlate and adjust our behavior according to how others act. We don't think about it much because such behavior has become fairly automatic. But every second we're watching for and responding to others' cues and deciding how to act based on social norms. We must compel ourselves to listen, to show interest, to check inappropriate comments. Some of us check inappropriate comments, some of us don't. We must be proactive, we must be defensive. At any time, someone may insult, embarrass, confuse, or manipulate us, and we must keep our guard up against these potentials, these potential attacks. We must do all this while making our efforts seem seemingly effortless. No one can know. You're doing all this posturing and spinning and calculating and jumping and juking and jiving and making sure nothing hits. Even when you're around those who allow you to be yourself, social interaction demands great vigilance and requires a high level of energy and control. Some of you wonder why you're so tired at the end of the day. Because you burned all your energy being fake. Dodging the bullets. You're dodging. You spend your whole day dodging bullets. Knocked another one down. Eh? Bring it on, man. Bring, do your best. No one, no one knows how hard you're working to be unknown. Except maybe your husband or wife or children. What the church would be like if we were full of fully released, full people, well people, whole people. Imagine with me the church of Jesus Christ in this community when we would be unleashed as well and whole people tapping into the way God created us, dodging nothing, putting ourselves out there in a whole and a healthy way, not always hiding. Solitude is a beautiful thing. If you can draw aside in silence and sit there and not have to talk to six different masks, or some of us even pull off our prayer mask, and we put that on. We go into God's presence, faking it, pretending we're someone we're not. In Mulholland's book, he talks about Jacob. Let me tell you this story. 
Um, you know what Jacob's name means? It means to twist. The, the picture is a runabout path, a path around. So it's deception around the truth. You're a heel holder, right? You're a supplanter, a controller, a manipulator. That's his name. That was a name he was given. And, and all through Jacob's story, he comes from the womb holding on to his brother heel and continues climbing over people all the way through life, protecting himself. And there's this story that Mulholland kind of pulls out and, and, and talks about in a way I, I, I never really focused on it. Uh, and you have to go read about Jacob uh, in Genesis 30. Remember, he's at Laban's place. And, of course, he and Laban are on this dece deceitful competition. Laban changes his rules. Jacob changes his rules. J Laban changes his rules. Jacob, he puts the sticks in there with the colors and the spotted and the stripes and the, and the solids and the blacks and the whites. And they're, the back and forth, man, they're just, they're, they're just juking and jiving. Huh? No one's real. It's all deception. Laban, Laban even deceives him. So David has to work an extra seven years there for his second wife, the one that should have been his first wife. Neither of them know anything about truth. And finally it gets so bad they draw a line in the sand and they say, okay, we agree. We're not gonna cross this line. So David has to turn around, or Jacob, David. Yeah. Jacob has to turn around and leave that. And you know what's on the other side? Esau. He sends out messengers to meet Esau and kind of test the waters. And he tells them, tell Esau, I'm right behind you. He wasn't right behind him. Liar. And so then Esau's coming with his army of 400 men. And this is what Jacob does. He puts everything he owns and loves between himself and the danger. That's him laying in bed at night and they hear an intruder in the house and he said, Hey, Rach, go down and check out the intruder. Well, you take care of it for me because I'm staying up here where it's safe. Yeah, take the kids down there with you. Take care of that problem. Because I'm going to stay up here with Sarah. Lock the door. You guys go take care of it. He's protecting. He's constantly in this mode where he is defending himself. Do you see what happens to your children and your family when you live in that mode? That deceitful, false face mode? And then he has this encounter with whomever it was he wrestles with. But at one point in that story, they're wrestling, right? And the, the, whoever he's wrestling says, what is your name? And Mulholland says, when Jacob tells the truth, I'm Jacob. I'm a deceiver. This is who I am. I'm false. I'm fake. I am unreal. I'm constantly manipulating and deceiving things for my own protection. A few verses later, Jacob has come around everything he loves, puts them behind him, and he steps up to Esau face to face. What the heck happened? One minute he's protecting his six. The next minute, he's hanging out, out there to protect those he loves. What happened? And Mahalan posits that for once in his life, Jacob got real. He got solitary with God. He took off all the masks. He put them in his side. He said, I'm Jacob. That's who I am. And it changed his life. Now, there's a little bit, a part of that story that sometimes we just gloss over. In that process of wrestling, Jacob gets a limp. And they say his limp followed him the rest of his life. Oh, I would say to you, as we all limp a little, a limp is sign of God's deliverance. An open wound is a sign that you've not yet fully surrendered to his healing presence. It's great if we limp. 
It's bad if you still have open, gaping wounds. When you have an open, gaping wound in your life, just the breeze blows over it, and you do this. This is how you live, and you protect it. You, you keep it safe. You, you guard. Matt, you think about doing relationships like this? That's no way to live. I can limp a little. Oh, I can come up to Kelly, and I can be who I am. I don't have to protect nothing. It changes how you live. When you finally get solitary, the bifurcating finally closes. I, I can I can even I see in my head a picture of a of a of a severed heart, a broken heart. Some of you sitting here today, you got a broken heart. You need closure. You need to be one. You need to be whole. There can no longer be three of you. That is the antithesis of integrity. If something has no integrity, it's shaky. It's uncertain. It's about to fall. If you do not have integrity in your heart, pride goes before a... Gotta have some closure, guys. We've got to heal our hearts up. We have to be a solitary human being. We don't have to prove anything to anybody, which I will say again, going back to my conversation we had yesterday about just how much we make it through life, how much of heaven we taste now. I think this is probably something we all uh, uh, process and wrestle with and struggle with until we get there. I, I wonder if when we get to glory, the limp doesn't go away. I will always be an unfathered man that causes me to limp. I, I can't go at the pace of someone who's been a well-fathered. I have to be more careful. I have to be more cautiously in some settings because I know of this wound, of this lack I have. And I know that there's a part of me, even though God has healed the wound, I still have the tender spot where there's still that sensitivity where the wound is. We have to know ourselves. I want for you not just to be solitude, not just to do solitude as in, oh, I have to go, okay, if I'm gonna practice the discipline, a solitude, I need, to go need, I need to go be alone. Some of you can't go be alone because wherever you go, three or four people are following you. Solitude is getting to that place where there's no more faking, there's no more pretending, there's no more spin, there's no more acting, there's no more masks, but we get very real. In Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he talks about this radical antidote. It says emotional health and contemplative spirituality. I, I love this because these three points match up with what I'm gonna show you out of Inside Out in just a minute here. But this is your antidote. The gift of slowing down. Martha is so busy that her inner person is touchy, irritable, and anxious, and is so flustered that she tries to tell God what to do. <laughs> How many of you are so flustered and worn out that you're trying to tell God what to do? Yep. None of that would have happened if she had slowed down like Mary, who didn't uh, whose life was settled and centered on God. Slow down 
enough to pay attention to God. And there's this concept, this this kind of a weird idea that, that is used in non-Christian religions and in meditation. It, it talks about centering. Have you ever heard about centering yourself? But well, we need to redeem that and bring that into Christianity. That concept, we need to redeem it out of all the weirdness and bring it into Christianity. And we need to, we need to be more centered people. We could say this way, we need more grounded. When you're, when you're splintered, there's lack of integrity, so you're not well grounded. The foundation under you is weak. We need to be centered. We need to be grounded. And in order to do that, you've got to come back, 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 constantly come back to your foundation in Christ, in your relationship with God, in your identity. And the gift you will give yourself is the gift of slowing down, the gift of anchoring in God's love. I think that's somewhat self-explanatory. When you're in this brokenness, and I heard about identity, it meant nothing. I heard about identity, who I was in Christ. It did nothing for my heart. Not one thing. And now when I hear about it, it just, it warms my heart. And it makes you look back and go, how did that ever not mean this to me? It's because I was broken. I was wounded. It's, it's great. To, well, you need to understand your identity in Christ. No. No, you don't. No, you don't need to understand your identity in Christ. You need to understand the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Then you can place yourself in his family. You've got to receive the healing. You've got to receive the covering. You've got to receive the closure. You've got to get healed up. The, the wounding has to be finished up. You have to grieve. And then... Your heart will be inseparable from your king. Because you'll be ready to give up your all. Because you will have experienced it. Not just here, but here. Yeah. You wonder why so many people are so uncommitted to the king. So loosely committed. So kind of haphazard and maybe in and maybe out. One week in, one week out. One day they're all on God, one week they're not. They're, you know what? you got to have your story. What is your story of encountering God? And I'm gonna, I'll go this far. The fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive my sins does not connect my heart to him as much as I th think it should. The truth of the gospel, even accepted, is not going to knit my heart to Christ over the long haul because I haven't experienced a thing. My loyalty... Jesus Christ doesn't come from knowing he forgave my sins. It comes from knowing he rescued me from hatred and bitterness and anger and confusion. Amen. That anchors my heart to my king. That's why your relationships, your brokenness is your treasure. Come on. It's treasure because that drives you to the king. That opens you up. You experience firsthand his deliverance. And then you love like you've never loved before. If you carry brokenness in your heart, you are in an enviable spot. Because you are this close to knowing the king of the universe like you've never known before. gift of God's love, you really have to, that has, if, if that doesn't really mean anything to you, it doesn't do anything to you, be alarmed. And then there's the gift of breaking free from illusions. That's what Jacob did. 
He broke free from the illusion. What he did is he put all of his mask on a big old fire and he lit it up. When we're healthy, we aren't driven to prove ourselves to others, um, to ourselves and to others, because the illusion that we need man's approval is removed. And it's replaced with the truth of God's unconditional love. We've got to break free from all these illusions, even the illusions that I'm not so bad. Uh, you know, people people come in and they sit on my couch and they start to tell me about. Their, oh, I love it when oh, I tell you about oh, I had a great childhood. I had a great childhood. I, oh, great! I am glad to hear that. I didn't, but let me hear your story. They start telling me their story. That's the story you've told yourself. I get it. Cause you got to tell yourself something. But it's time to grow up. It's time to put aside these childhood coping mechanisms and act like the man and woman you are and and deal with this stuff as an adult does, not a child. It's time to grow up. It's time to get out of our, where we're frozen in time, we're frozen in space. We're back here, we're in adult bodies with adult capabilities and adult minds, but our hearts, our emotions, they're frozen in childhood. So we do adult things, and we get adult kind of big responses or outcomes to them because the part of us is still immature. Uh, in his book, Inside Out, Three Gutsy Steps to Discovery. I love just the title of that. These are gutsy things you got to do get, to get to a place where you're unbifurcated, right? You ask tough questions. You, you admit this confusion. Knowledge, the disappointment. I love that one right there. When they tell me, oh, I had a great childhood. And they start telling me stuff. And, and, and I'll say to them, well, you need to acknowledge that your dad was not the dad you needed him to be. And then they start excusing him. Whenever you start excusing in front of me, I know right where we need to go. Because you're not dealing with the truth. You've told yourself a story. You've excused their actions. And you've demoted your need to have any kind of brokenness. It's not right for you to be broken because my dad had a terrible dad. Why should I feel bad? Because my dad did better than his dad did. We excuse and excuse and excuse. Well, this bad thing happened and that big thing happened and they didn't know any better and they weren't raised in a Christian home and, and they did the best they could with what they had. And Okay. Okay, this isn't a, you know, burn mom and dad at the stake kind of thing, but gum. I'll just say to people, well, what are we doing with this evidence that you, that you came to me with? Got to admit to the disappointment. And, you know, you have to admit to the conviction. You know, one of the things that I find that we don't understand about forgiveness, and I did this with my dad, is, you know, letting go of letting him off the hook for how he didn't father me. So I have to have two hands for this. This is what forgiveness is about. We have these two fists. This is what was done to me. What am I looking at? What am I seeing? One fist or two? One. This is what was done to me. What happens when I take that off and I finally give up my right to have an apology? My right to crucify that person who did me wrong. My right to get in their face and tell them what they did and have them weep and wail and say, I'm sorry, I didn't know I did that to you. Will you forgive me? I give up my right Guess what I now see? Hatred and bitterness in my. When you hold this, you're gonna do this. And you're gonna say to me, well, I tried to forgive. It doesn't seem to be working for me because you're churning it back up. You still got this in your hand. And what kind of posture does this give you? That's not an open-handed posture. And you know, when your hands are full of evil, it's a little hard to pick up anything else. Our hands are so full of regret 
and, and hatred and, and bitterness and resentment and all this that was done to me and the injustice and, and I'm going to get my... Or, or I'll never let anybody harm me like that again. Or I'll never say that again. Or I'll never do that again. Or I'll never let anyone treat me like that. Or I'll never feel that way again. We make these vows. And our hands are just so full. Can't grasp anything good. You have to embrace the conviction. You want to be well? You've got to embrace the truth that nothing anyone ever did to you made you who you are. You did that to yourself. When I teach on forgiveness, one of the things I tell people is that this person did this evil thing to you. Why are you letting them continue to do it? And then they, they get really weird on me, a little combative with me, which I understand. You know what this means? Every day you're keeping the wound open. You're sticking a, a thing in that wound or you're doing this. No wonder you're hurt. No wonder you're tired out. No wonder you're wasted. You gotta keep that thing just bleeding all over the place. Because you're jamming that stick in there every time you relive that memory. And you're just digging it all up. You can't forgive isn't because you didn't forgive. You forgave, but you had to do it again. Because you didn't let go of this. When I released the bitterness and the hurt and resentment in my heart, I got free from my story. I got free from the injustice. And it was a prison of my own making. My dad didn't make my prison, they did. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you heard something that got your attention, whether it be for your own relationship with God or for coaching others, don't waste the divine nudge. Be sure to take the time to think through how to work the truth into your life and practice. If you do spiritual coaching, either formally or informally, remember that it is hard to lead where you have never been yourself. I pray that God can use this training to inform and transform your life before it reaches another. If you are anywhere near upstate New York, specifically the Binghamton area, look Pastor Carrie up. He'd love to have a cup of coffee with you and chat about our dynamic relationship with God or about how to do spiritual coaching in your context. Remember, only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Spiritual Coaching Podcast. Thank you.